Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. And I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. Never in doubt today. <laughs> never in, never for a second. <clears throat> never for a second because it looked like uh, Mikko Koskinen was challenging, uh, channeling Ken Dryden there uh, in this game. It was, it was, Koskinen's had a number of really good games. This, this is... This is either his best game of the year or his second best game of the year. He was fantastic. He was absolutely fantastic this game. And he was the reason the Oilers won. There's really no other reason because Florida was all over the Oilers team. The grade A shots were 22 to 8, Bruce. The five alar- so the grade A shots have about a 20 plus 20% plus chance of going in. The five alarm shots were uh, 14 to six, 14 to six for Florida, five alarm shots, having a 33% chance plus chance of going in. So it's not often you're going to win a game when you, when you just get peppered with the very best scoring chances And Florida is a fantastic offensive hockey team. Seems like almost everybody on that team can, can handle the puck, including Mason Marchment. Here's a question for you, Bruce, before we start. If Ken, if Ken Holland made a trade as bad as Mason Marchment for Dennis Malgin, who's now playing, I think, in the Swiss League, what would fans be saying about that? I'd probably be saying it was a bad trade. Indeed. How loud Mason would the screeching Marchment, be? Where'd he come from? Point of game, Mason March. Toronto Maple Leafs, the genius mm-hmm. Kyle Dubas made the trade. All right, uh, Bruce, two good things, two bad things, and two numbers. What is your good thing? Yeah. Well, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll leave the number one star to you, and I'll take the number two star of a game that really had a two-star performance from the Edmonton side, I would have to say. And uh, Derek Ryan, age 35, coming up with his first career hat-trick. How often does that happen, that a guy 35 and over has never had a hat-trick and he, and he gets one, right? Usually if you're 35 and good enough to get a hat-trick, you've been there before a few times. But... Uh, 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 good on Derek Ryan. He went to the net hard, and he pop, popped a couple of goals in that style. And uh, he also somehow zinged an outside wrister past uh, um, Sergei Bobrovsky in the Florida net. And he had a pretty decent chance on a, uh, for a fourth in the third period that had some guy hoping that he was up in for $100,000. Uh, didn't quite work out, but uh, uh, he had a... You know, he finally got some results, right? I mean, he only had four goals all year, and now he's got seven. And, and I mean, in a game where Evan got four, he got three. And he also went, David, four for four uh, in the face-off dot with all of those wins coming in Edmonton end of the ice. So uh, he contributed uh, in an area where the Oilers had their struggles today on the dot. And I'll talk more about that in a bit, but uh, he was uh, 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 he was perfect. In the in the faceoff circle as well, and just I thought had a had a pretty strong overall game. Maybe was a, a bit late on the coverage on one goal that um, was kind kind of scored uh, with Edmonton scrambling to recover, and he was kind of the fourth guy back on the play, and the first forward hadn't hadn't cleaned things up. But that was uh, if he did make a mistake on that goal, it was uh, lost in the. Uh, <laughs> And the several other guys who had uh, made bigger ones. So, anyways, overall, uh, Derek Ryan's finest game as an Oiler and first career hat trick. What's not to like, and especially in a, 
in a uh, surprise upset win like this one. Do they ever need that win, eh, Bruce? I mean, they've lost to two good teams, yeah. and um, they were outplayed, I think, in both games, at least the, the wild game. I can't remember what the scoring chances were in the floor in the Tampa game. I think that was actually, Oilers, no, that was a little closer. Oilers right? were good, yeah, in the yeah, Tampa game. So, it was a, that so was that a goal-tending loss. Yeah, that was a tough result. So after a tough result, like where the goalie is culpable in the, in the defeat in a significant way, great to get one where the goalie steals it. I mean... That is so huge for a hockey team, right? Just for the morale of the team, for the record of the team, you need your goalie to do this now and then. And 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 uh, so again, great for Miko Koskinen. Bruce, th- there were so many great saves by Koskinen in this game mm-hmm. that I, it's hard to it's I I can't remember them. So I'm what I'm going to do is just read my comment that I've written already in his mm-hmm. game. Because I think you know that that'll that that captured the very best of them, and there was probably seven or eight of the very you know just absolutely best of them. So uh, he, here's my comment: He stood as tall as Paul Bunyan in the net. Massive save off Vetrano two minutes in, then thwarted Barkov and Marchmont on dangerous crossing jams after Nurse's positional error. He had little chance on Florida's first goal, a whip smart slot pass and quick strike finish by Lundell. Huge save with the score tied 1-1 on Hornquist, where Koskinen shot out all 75 meters of his right pad. He failed to cover a loose puck off the goal. I like that line, too. He failed to cover a loose puck off the goalpost on Florida's second goal. But what are, what are D-men for if not to prevent loose puck shots? And I think Logason might have done better on that. Yes. Huge poke check on Barkov on his second period breakaway. Another huge save off of Barkov one-timer a bit later. Then again off Marchman on a three-on-one. He flashed his blocker to stop Vetrano early in the third. Monster glove save on Verhaji's third period breakaway. A final highlight was him slamming it shut on Barkov with four minutes left. He had little chance on Barkov's final goal across seam one-timer. So that's that was his game. And it was just, I mean, my goodness, what a great game. I take it he's your good thing then? <laughs> <laughs> he is my good thing, Bruce. Nine, right. I, 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 he did let in three goals, so I couldn't give him 10 out of 10. So right. I gave him a nine. That's fair. And, you know, standing is a good description of that. Yeah, uh, there, that there, performance. Uh, maybe, maybe. Um, second goal. Well, the second goal was off the post, and it lands behind him. Right. So, really, no. I think the mm-hmm. last goal, maybe, if he had been totally in sync, you know, totally, if he had been perfect. He stops. If he had stopped the last goal, maybe then it's a like. Can you give a goalie a ten if he lets in a couple goals? I think maybe you can, but I, I, we. I don't think we've ever done it. I think we've always given tens on a perfect on a shutout. Um, well, and we don't always give a ten on a shutout. We've only ever given tens on a shutout. Correct. Yeah, sometimes not, not a lot. Very of often. Ben yeah. scriven has got that eleven at one time. John Willis gave him an 11, and we agreed. That, uh, that was the 59-save shutout against San Jose. Yeah. That was completely off the charts, so we gave him an off-the-charts mark. But, uh, yeah, he he was uh, outstanding in this game, Koskinen. And even that last goal, you know, I mean, Barkov scored from the same spot that uh, Koskinen had just robbed him from about 25 seconds before we came all the way over and snaked the glove out and pulled a shot off the goal line this time his glove was in the air because he was telling the referee that he'd been beamed with the shot 
And the referees apparently saw no evil, heard no evil, noticed no evil when the goalie's saying, hey, my mask is loose and uh, uh, the pass went over. So his glove actually wasn't in position because of that. Or he might have stopped that one the way he was uh, uh, the way he was playing there. He was pretty upset after that goal and uh, and not without reason. But anyway, the all's well that that ends well. Yeah. They, uh, uh, the team finally did some good shot prevention in the final three minutes after uh, open floodgates. Holy moly! How many breakaways? How many odd man oh, rushes? Yeah, There's at least three or four breakaways. Yeah. So. Yeah, there were. Bruce, that was like a that was like a forty year performance by Koskinen, and by that, all us old Oiler fans like feel forty years younger. I feel like I'm nineteen and can now go drink my face off and not have a hangover the next day. That's how good that performance was. All right, was a Grant Grant Fuhrer special, three goals against and forty odd saves, and yeah, that yeah. was uh, he he had a game against Calgary there, the one where Dave Tippett's job was on the line. Koskinen made 44 saves against Calgary in a, in a, I think it was a 5-3 Edmonton win, and it was a similar performance where he was really holding the fort, and he was doing it on his own for a, a chunk of time. Yeah, 47 shots in that game, 44 saves, and Calgary mm-hmm. in that game had uh, 20 grade A shots, and he led in the three mm-hmm. goals. So this is a bit, yeah, this is a similar performance to uh, yeah. to that one. And there's been a few other really good ones that he that he's had. He had a really good game against Seattle, for instance, that I'm noticing here. Um, Bruce, what's your bad thing? Well, I'm going to have to go with the injury to Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Talk about something the Edmonton Oilers did not need. They finally have a third line that uh, can can hold its own and and then some uh, in a new structure with the uh, with the Sanders three model. And uh, Nugent's been playing pretty darn well too. And then today, uh, fairly early in the first period, he took a fairly innocuous-looking hit along the side wall, and he kind of spun when he hit the boards. And whatever it was that he hit, it was uh, deemed an upper body injury serious enough that uh, he, you know, he never took his next shift. And they announced already by the end of the first period that he was done for the night. So all Oilers fans can do is hope and wish. Uh, that uh, he is um, not going to be out for very long because uh, he's a pretty important player in the scheme of things right now. I didn't like the look of that at all, Bruce. I think it's his shoulder. Like he's, it looked like his shoulders got crunched, and I'm thinking, yeah, something with the shoulder, which is not good, right? Like because it, it could be small, but it could be, you know, separated shoulder or something even mm-hmm. worse than that, like a bad shoulder injury. So. All right, my bad thing. He's taking a beating, no doubt, on Twitter. I haven't been on Twitter, but I'm sure this is happening. Evan Bouchard really, really struggled on defense tonight. And um, we we tagged him, I think, with five major mistakes on grade A shots against at even strength. And it really... um, I'm just checking. I want to check. Did he get out of there? They didn't even use him on the PK. Like, they've taken him... Right. They've taken yeah. him off that role, which I think is probably a good idea. So early on, there's, uh, you know, that that we've commented on this before, the Matador defense where he w- waved his red cape as Anton Lundell, who's a hell of a hockey player and a great draft mm-hmm. pick, taken just before the Oilers were able to grab Dylan Holloway. Right. Um, you know, there was questions about Lundell's offensive game and how that would translate mm-hmm. to the NHL, but man, he's a 
solid hockey player. Um, he goes around uh, Bouchard, who's who's waved at him and said goodbye, bye bye, and uh, Florida almost scores. He, there, there was an, on the goal, the first Lundell's goal. He he got beat on Vetrano's pass, mm-hmm. which was a that was a pretty tricky play, and and I actually thought that Shore was worse on that goal. He he didn't cover the man going to the net off the wall, and that was a bigger you know that's a tough play. And and both Shore and Nimalainen made turnovers before then as well, um, but it just continued for him. He he um, he got beat on a pass and Horn, on when Hornqvist almost scored in the. Um, in the first, um, <laughs> makes a turnover and it leads to a three-on-one in the second. Uh, that Mason, uh, Mason Marchman also scored, but Koskinen stopped that. That was like he was. That was a uh, kind of a neutral zone pass, I think. That got or no, he got picked off in the neutral zone off his stick, mm-hmm. and uh, they went in on a three-on-one. Was that the one in the last minute? No, uh, he, oh, was it the second? Yet. Was in the well. Then in the third. Oh, okay. The last minute of the second protecting a one-goal lead, and he tried to stick-handle around the guy in the center zone at uh, less at less than a uh, determined yeah. pace, and it got stripped, and they went in. I, w- I was yelling at my TV at that moment. Yeah. And then the Oilers came down and scored 10 seconds after Koskinen made the save. That was the TSN turning point in this game. Yeah. Okay, that... Uh, was that like the one? 50 yeah. some seconds to go in the second period? Yeah, okay. I, I think I, you know what? I think I, that's one where I think I wrote it down in the game grades, but I forgot mm-hmm. to move it. I, I forgot to write it in the um scoring oh, I, document, I, I added, I added and then it you added it in. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. why I'm a little uh, flummoxed on the timing right. of it, but that's exactly what happened. That was the one when March Mason Marchman almost scores. So, yes, that's definitely that, uh, oh. that was definitely a five alarm uh shot. And then in the third period, McDavid makes a back pass to him, which is not strong enough, and Bouchard goes for it, and he's sprawled on the ice. And then there's another, there's Breakable, another break. Right? So, just a he's uh, he's having his Jason, uh, Justin Schultz moments out there, Bruce, and yeah. he's getting the Justin Schultz treat. He's starting to get the Justin Schultz treatment uh, from mm-hmm. Oilers fans. I would I would tell Oilers fans to get your heads out of your asses and give this young player a break. He's obviously mm-hmm. got talent. Yes, he's making mistakes. Mm-hmm. They're they're sca- they've scaled back his ice time. He will he has played strong defense before. It's these are mat you know these are mistakes that he will get on top of I think, or conversely like Justin Schultz even Justin Schultz the good will outweigh the bad. The, over time he will make more good offensive plays than he gives up in his own end. So you know we can decide as a group to run him out of town like I think happened honestly happened to Justin Schultz and I think was unfortunate a bad idea. And people can continue to get irate about this guy's play. Or you can have a little bit of patience with him and the coaches and just just think he will help this team win in the end. He can help this team win a Stanley Cup in the end, just as Justin Schultz did in Pittsburgh. But if you lose your minds constantly, it's not going to happen. You will run him out of town. It has happened. So that's my thought on that. You played 12-21 in this game, and it seems like in the in the new regime with the seven defensemen, he has quickly descended into the ranks of the young defensemen, where all four of them are seeing limited minutes. It looks like Broberg has dropped to the sort of the numbers, true number spot. seven. He had seven. Uh, but the other guys, like Bouchard, was playing lots of 20-minute games earlier in the year, and now he's, you know, 12, Nemeline and 14, Lagasin 11 from today's game. 
And he had a few soft plays, and I just didn't think his passing and puck control was on. Like, he, he himself just wasn't on in this game. And uh, the one breakaway there in the third period where where McDavid, I mean, that was a horrible play by McDavid. I don't know what he was thinking. Ten minutes left, two-goal lead, and he makes a drop pass high in the offensive zone, and he just hung the guy out to dry. And, you know, that was... Well, that he was thought he was a little good. closer. He thought he was... He thought Bouchard was a yeah. little closer or that he passed yeah. it a little harder. I mean, it's Connor yeah. McDavid, right? Yeah, well, he's Connor McDavid but with a two-goal lead and 10 minutes left in the yeah. third period. Yeah. You make the, you know, you make you make the play. If you're down 4-2 and you're desperate to try and make stuff happen, then, you know, you take chances like that. Anyway, I was not too excited by that play, and, and Bouchard was the uh, number two object of my wrath, and that particular one. But thankfully, um, Koskinen came up with an absolutely fantastic glove save on the on the breakaway. That one goes in, and those last ten minutes are an eternity. Was that so on the Verhage? It was only was the last four minutes for an eternity. What's that? Who got that, that break? Was for Hage. That was for Hage. For, yeah. for Hage. For Hage the Phage. Yeah. Uh, he's a good hockey player. Lots of good hockey players on that team. It was interesting, Abrams, how they pulled the goalie so so early, and I know that they mm-hmm. have. Um, a really strong analytics department in Florida. And one of the things the analytics people say is, I think what they say is like when you get five minutes left and you're down two goals, you you, mm-hmm. you think about pulling the goalie then much easier or much earlier than is mm-hmm. commonly thought. I, I can, I can assure you when you, as a minor hockey league coach, when you try that, everybody loses their minds. They're so upset that you've, that you've done something like that, but it, it, it also works now and then. Like, and I think the odds really are in your favor. So I, 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 I uh, kudos for Florida for listening to their analytics guys, and and they, you know, it almost paid off in coming back in this game. What's mm-hmm. your number, Bruce? Yeah, my number in this game is 36, and that is the number of faceoffs that took place in Edmonton's end of the ice. There were 65 faceoffs in this game. Uh, and there would have been 10 of them at center ice because three to start a period and one after each of the seven goals. So of the other 55 face-offs, 36 of them were in Edmonton territory. And this was a combination of Koskinen freezing the puck a lot because a lot of pucks were shot at him, and he's fairly conservative about freezing the puck, and also Edmonton icing the puck a lot, which they did five times in the first 10 minutes of the game and five times in the last 10 minutes of the game including four times in a row in the last three minutes. They kept pumping, not getting their draw weight right and uh, not quite hitting the empty net at the, at the far end. And a couple of times losing their cool, Evander Kane, he had the chance to, you know, the defenseman stumbled and, and coughed up the puck and Kane had every chance to step out, probably get to center and take a crack at it and at least not ice it. And Zach Hyman overskated one and he, blindly fired it down the ice for an icing and they you know the, the puck just kept coming back into Edmonton territory with the clock not running because they kept icing it so in the end of the day they had uh, uh they had 36 face-offs in their own end they won almost half of them uh 17 of the 36 I think 14 of 28 at even strength uh three of eight on the on the penalty kill and like I say Derek Ryan was four for four and otherwise it was a it was a battle and uh, not a winning one from Edmonton's perspective. Florida generated quite a few of their sh- vast number of shots directly off of face-off wins. When the fire, I mean, they got their, uh, the one goal that way, 
right? Won the puck right in the slot, bang, hit Koskinen in the head, and they scored on the follow-up. Uh, and so anyway, that, that was tells me more even about the territorial play in some ways than the shots 47 to 22 say that, you know, Florida had the pressure on Edmonton for a large, long portions of this game. And this was a very much winning against the flow of play kind of game for Edmonton. Indeed. So Miko Koskin and Bruce, uh, my number uh, revolves around him and mm-hmm. his, uh, his save percentage on grade A shots tonight. He stopped, um, he stopped uh, 19 out of 22 grade A shots. So um, he had an 864 save percentage on grade A shots tonight. And I can tell you, Bruce, that is his second highest uh, grade A shot save percentage of the season. He had an 882 grade A shot save percentage in a game against Seattle in early December when they uh, fired uh, 17 and he just let in two of them. So um, it was a, you know, his, by that metric, it was his second best performance of the season. That would be Pittsburgh. And um, what are you thinking, Pittsburgh? I'm thinking that was the Pittsburgh game. No, he had an 833 save percentage. Uh, oh, December excuse me, that was in early November. I said, oh, okay. I, yeah, early November. My, my, okay. my mistake, that's why I was confused. It was Pittsburgh. He had an 8.33 grade A shot percentage, so he's in a, in about uh, let's say about 12 of his his 28 29 games. Uh, looks like I'm just roughing just about a dozen. Um, he's been over 800 he, on average. Bruce, he stops three out of four grade A shots. Uh, um, he has a 7.55 grade A shots saving save percentage on the season. 7.55, and um, opposing teams have a uh, 773 grade A shots percentage. So the opposing teams have a significant margin in terms of stop in terms of their goalie stopping grade A shots compared to the Oilers. But Koskin was way, way ahead of his season average today. Um, he uh, he just uh, he was on fire and it's reflected in that number 864. I find um, the, the the grade A shots save percentage is is often mirrored maybe not on a game-per-game basis, but over the year, it's mirrored by your actual save percentage. So there's usually not a lot of difference. Like if his goalie's got a good save percentage, that he will also have a really good grade-A shots percentage. Like there's not a lot of variance there. So this is why I personally put a lot of just basic raw shots percentage I've seen over time. Generally speaking, aligns with uh, their save percentage on grade-A shots. But as we dig into this more and we start to chart five alarm Shots as we're doing now, maybe we'll find out something a little bit different than that. And I'm and I'm not yet uh, don't have that kind of granular detail. We're just starting to track it now, so I can't report on that. But this was, you know, statistically out of this world performance. You know, either his best performance of the season or his second or third best. So yeah, he was he was real good. I can think of th- three or four games. I mean, there was a game in St. Louis where he's won five to four in the last minute. Game winner by Yamamoto, and that doesn't sound like a goalie kind of game, but uh, but Koskinen was fantastic in that game. Uh, that was um, would have been November. Uh, there so was that had, uh, against Calgary. Uh, Nineteen you know, grade A shots in the St. Louis yeah. game, four goals against. So mm-hmm. he had a seven eighty nine grade A shot 
percentage, which is which is pretty good, right? Like yeah. his season average. A lot of them were a lot of them were five alarm saves. That's I just, what we have he to. made a lot of great saves in yeah. that game. Yeah, yeah. What other game are you wondering about? The Calgary game? Oh well the Calgary game. Eight fifty, grade A yeah. shots save percentage. He uh twenty grade A shots, three goals. And any others? Uh, those are the ones that spring to mind for sure. That he I, had a really was... good game against Vancouver late in mm-hmm. October. Looks like a really good game against Anaheim in mid October. In fact, you'll find a lot of really good cost getting right. games in October. Like he was regularly above uh, 800 save percentage on grade A shots um, at that time. And, and then he crashed. He absolutely crashed. And so, and Bobrovsky tonight um, on his grade A shots was only 500. So he had eight grade A shots and he let in four goals, which is fantastic, right? Like we'll take that. We'll take that. We don't often experience the other goalie coming up with a stinker. And I think Bobrovsky didn't play well tonight. He he was he let his team down. Well, one of those goals was a grade B shot, even. It was, yeah. And I haven't. We I call them all just for. I call oh. all the goals grade A's just for. Right. I haven't yet got it down to that level of. Uh, so he made, he stopped five grade A shots, but he let in a grade B. So overall, correct. he was like yeah. four four out yeah. of eight. That's not yeah. good enough. And uh, that is not uh, good he, enough. Uh, he cost the team. You're right. Good, like you say. Very good. Well, Bruce, let's wrap it up there. I got to finish okay. off with my game grades, and you got some stuff to do, and uh, we'll bet. be back here tomorrow. Bruce, yeah. thanks for talking tonight. All right. Today. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. <laughs>